2: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
3: It's a turkey leg each for Liverpool and Arsenal at Anfield as the top two in the Premier League duke it out. To a Christmas standstill. Welcome to Ramble Reacts. It's Saturday, 23rd of December. I'm Luke Moore
1: and I'm Jim Campbell.
3: Right, before we get into the main thrust of the show, a quick reminder that our Toshiba competition starts on Friday. We're giving you the chance to win a brand new 50-inch Toshiba Fire QLED TV. And we're not just giving away one of them or two of them. We're giving away three, so if a free 50-inch TV sounds like a good way to kick off 2024, then listen out for details of how to enter, because all will be revealed at the end of Friday's show. Now... It ended one all at Anfield this evening after Mo Salah sensationally cancelled out Gabriel's early header with a fantastic pants pulling down of Alexander Zinchenko, it has to be said, uh, and the game that was tipped to be a key indicator of which direction the Premier League title was heading in this season, as well as the... You know, frankly, quite empty boast of being top at Christmas. Uh, The game ended all square. That means Arsenal hit Christmas 2023 top of the table for the second season in a row. They've got 40 points and are therefore definitely staying up this season. And Liverpool sit one point back in second on 39. Jim... What did you make of the game?
1: Um, I am relieved it's over. My blood pressure is is in a better state than it was about half an hour ago. Um, it's it's a funny one. I, I'd convinced myself many many times that we were going to lose that game, and it feels a much better point. Um, than the point Arsenal got at Anfield last season. Obviously, they were 2-0 up and, uh, and, and managed to um, draw the game. Um, Liverpool really sort of bombarded Arsenal in this, in this sort of first period of the second half. But I thought, actually, they managed that quite well. And it was a, a, a far less emotional performance than we've often seen from Arsenal teams at Anfield, where they go there and they get a little bit overawed and it all gets a bit chaotic. Because there were spells like that. Certainly, in that first portion of the first half, where they couldn't string passes together, they were kind of overcomplicating things, and Liverpool were, were kind of camped in Arsenal's half. Um, but they kind of rode that out really well, and. I'm actually sort of quite impressed that they came out of that with a point because I don't think they played particularly well. There were a few individuals that you know, were, were lacking a little bit. We'll, we'll come on to Zinchenko's role in, in Salah's goal. And I think Gabriel Martinelli was kind of um, underhitting things a lot and miscontrolling things a lot. There were a few players where they weren't quite at their best. So to come away from a point I, or with a point, I'm I'm pretty happy with that, to be honest.
3: Yeah. And, and, and you know, Arsenal were right at the races from the very start. I mean, their movement, their intensity was really good and... As soon as they scored, I was wondering if that, you know, obviously I don't support either team, so I don't, I, I just wanted to watch a, a good game, of course. Um, I wondered if an early Arsenal goal was would be the best thing that could happen to the game, you know, because, mm. you know, Liverpool have to come out and do something. The last time, you know, we've seen Liverpool play in a big league game, it was against Manchester United. It was fucking awful. Yeah. Uh, ended 0 0. Um, because basically it takes two to tango and Man United were not dancing. They were standing in their seat and mm-hmm. nursing a Diet Coke. Um, and and I, I think when when an away team in a game that big, you know, which does mean something, there isn't riding on it, score early, it does then become interesting to see how the home team approaches, especially set against the kind of background of the fact that, again, in that aforementioned Man United game, you know, Liverpool, the atmosphere at Anfield was so poor that you know the commentators were talking about it. Jurgen Klopp then follows up and says that he needs the fans to be better. That was quite controversial. And then Liverpool did come to play, though, and, and at mm. times it became kind of a bit of a basketball game. And then Mo Salah did what he wasn't seemingly able to do against Manchester United, which was just pull something out of nowhere, you know, and 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 Jim, I have to give you props here because this is very, very likely to be the last time I'm going to give you any credit, <laughs> probably for the rest of the calendar year, but you did say yesterday that the Zinchenko versus Salah matchup was problematic from an Arsenal point yep. of view, and it was proven to be the case. Now, the only caveat to that is just that you know, Mo Salah is quite good, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, and so it's not like, you know, I don't think on paper uh, an embarrassment to have that goal scored against you. But the manner of it and mm. the game he had overall meant it was a bit of a mismatch to the point where Gary Neville was just taking it really personally and, yeah. and battering him on the comms. I'm not really sure why. Yeah. Um, but so, so you called it. You you were worried about it. You were right to be worried about it. Um, it was a fantastic goal though, one. I mean, it was.
1: Just yeah, it, a it was strike. a brilliant goal. It's, it's sort of it feels a little bit soft. Um, giving It him just the to cut him so easily. Well, that's it, isn't it? And it's... the lazy
3: leg makes it look worse. Mm. It's the it's... stanky leg, <laughs> is
1: it. Yeah, I think as well, gabrielle has got to get Get out faster to Salah. He is a player that you have to pay special attention to, and I think you you simply can't let him get away. You can't let him get a shot off in the box because he's so efficient with them. And um, I, I think they were just it's it's unfortunate because it's one really sloppy moment um, that actually it's, it's mad given the chances Liverpool managed to create. Obviously Trent Alexander Arnold's chance in the second half where he hit the bar um, yeah. was was a, was a better chance than we'll that. We'll come on to that, Jim. Don't yeah. jump
3: ahead. Think of it like a film. <laughs> don't do the end bit but
1: not alright well, well, like memento though I'm, I'm, I'm quite highbrow <laughs> yeah. with, with Well, I'm hosting it is so. like memento
3: I'm all over the, I just, I'm all over the place so where I am
1: but yeah it, like like I say given the, the, the battering that Arsenal took in the second half at times like it's, it does seem quite strange that the, the goal they conceded was, was a relatively sort of soft
3: one but look, look before the Liverpool ga- goal there was a really big flashpoint and it was the Martin Odegaard situation re-handball in the penalty area. Now, it was, you know, it was fortunate Mm. from Arsenal's point of view that that penalty wasn't given. It was checked by VAR. It was deemed not to be um, clear and obvious. That's at the time of recording. Of course, we know sometimes VAR like to amend the narrative as time moves forward. And it sometimes ends up with a Howard Webb apology on TV, which is demeaning for everyone involved. But at this point, it's called not a clear and obvious error. Now, I don't, I don't understand how that cannot be given as a penalty. I mean, I'll get your take on it in just a second. But if I may, you know, the law states that if a player deliberately touches the ball with their hand or arm, um, for example, moving the hand or arm towards the ball, then a penalty should be given. Now, I know he slips. I know that the hand goes down to break his fall but he does handle the ball like a, more than once mm. in a way that stops the ball in the penalty area, going through to, I think, Mo Salah. You, to me, it feels like we can discuss whether the refereeing team have implemented the law properly or whether the law just needs to change or whatever, because that, the law exists for a reason. The law exists so that the defensive team cannot get an advantage from a handball in their own penalty area, which is blatantly what happened there. Mm. And I just felt like it was such a weird decision I, I don't know how you feel about it try and take your Arsenal hat off for a second if you can tell me what you think of the decision oh,
1: objectively absolutely completely feel that we got away with one there um, hmm. I think if, um, if uh, notwithstanding one of those embarrassing apologies where little Mickey Owen sat there like a gibbon Um <laughs> i just i think if that is a proper implementation of the handball law, it's a great illustration of just how convoluted it's become because it, as you, you're right to mention the the advantage that the arsenal gained there like you know that it's it's just daft if that's not given as a handball and it is one of those things where were it down the other end um you'd, i'd be fuming you you'd, you know you'd, you'd you'd want that penalty absolutely not. but the thing is uh, you get into chaos theory here don't you so i, I have decided um that liverpool would have missed it Mm. I don't know if that oh, that's fine um, is then. of any sort. That'll of be to their wounds, for listening. sure.
3: They'll be that, I mean, they will be typically even-minded about, so. about that. Now yeah. you've said that. Yeah. We should probably yeah. clip that out for social media so everyone can hear it. Mm. Um, I, I, It was funny what um, at half-time when Theo Walcott, who I think is actually quite an interesting pundit, yeah. he comes up with some quite good stuff. He, he The thing about it is, I uh, don't mean this in a horrible way, he looks like he's going to be bad. I know what you he mean. He looks like. Yeah, like he's just been invited, and he's not quite sure what's going on. Well, he looks
1: a bit—he um, looks a bit rabbit in the headlights at the moment, doesn't he? He also he's, looks really young. He does, yeah. He—I think he's going to look young when he's a hundred years old. Um, yeah. it, it's a sh- strange thing. He somehow looks like Dominic Calv- Lewin's younger brother, despite being much <laughs> older than him at the moment. It's really yeah, weird. Yeah, does.
3: But he's—but when—but when it was announced by I think David Jones that you know it wasn't given as a clear and obvious error, so yeah, that's why the penalty wasn't given. Walcott just went, "Yeah, lovely." <laughs> <laughs> that's like all he said.
1: Yeah, he's on yeah. on the start of his punditry journey, isn't he? I think he's gonna be good though. He's always he's always been yeah, very Yeah, I, like, sort of I I enjoy listening to and, him.
3: He's he's very, very thoughtful. So you're pairing mm. up against someone like Jamie Redknapp, who is a lovely man, but not necessarily but maybe I mean this might not be as diplomatic as I'm I'm trying to make it perhaps not capable of being as thoughtful. Um <laughs> it's quite an interesting combination. I think it worked quite well. But so, yeah. so that everyone's baffled by it. The thing I I don't want to dwell on this forever because it's probably quite boring for people listening, but the point I just like to make is that we watch football all the time. It's our job. We've been doing this show for a long time. We haven't quite been found out yet, so we must know a little bit about the game. And not saying a massive amount, not saying we're experts, but we're enthusiastic to know a bit about the game. And we watch that and we don't know what we're seeing. We don't understand the decision. Still... Now and then, then you will go to Sky Sports commentary team or the the punditry team. Yeah, you know, the the basically the chief broadcaster for the league. They don't know either. Yeah. You know, sometimes you get a situation where they'll ask a referee who they've employed for the night or, or on Soccer Saturday or whatever, and the decision will be explained. And they don't. They don't get it. it. It just seems to be. It's got to be massively simplified. Mm. Yeah, I just thought it was. I, I'm determined not to to spend too much time talking about it because I don't want it to be the the, the big takeaway. Yeah, absolutely. Um Because there was plenty of other stuff to talk about. Um. I really felt like the atmosphere seemed much improved as well. Did you? I think. I oh, think yeah, the Fans absolutely. responded.
1: It's as we were talking about the other week. The thing thing with Anfield in particular, and St James's Park gets a bit like this as well, is that every time an opposition player chests the ball, the crowd are calling for a handball. Every like tackle or or like. You know, yeah. interception is is seen as a foul, and it's you know it it puts pressure on on referees. It puts pressure on the other team. It makes you feel like you're being hounded and sort of just pressed from the stands as well as on the pitch. It's a mm. it's a huge huge asset, and yeah, the crowd was definitely up today. Klopp knows what he's doing, doesn't he? um he's, Yeah, do you he's think a, it was a, because
3: it was just a better game from the outset, and because Arsenal came to dance, or do you think it was because of what Klopp said, or maybe both? It's it's
1: hard to sort of separate it, isn't it? But I think um, on a Saturday night under the lights you know those all important lights the hydroponics what do you um, make of the atmosphere. lights I'm a big fan of the lights huge were they, fan were they, of the were lights. they hydroponic were they well, is that why the grass was so it was, fucked it, well, exactly yeah <laughs> yeah. very sticky it was yeah. weird it was really strange wasn't it it was like um, it was like one of those Japanese game shows where people have to sort of like climb up something like with soapy water all over it and everyone just yeah, sort of stacks it and- constantly
3: in in the past, when the pitch has been but you know, historically bad, like you know, however many years ago, mm. it tends to mean that teams adapt how they play. But of course, now teams aren't prepared to do that. They they just they train to pass, 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 pass. So what was what really made it stark the quality of the pitch? And, and, and people are listening. haven't watched the game. And maybe they don't know what we're talking about. But the pitch seemed to be weird in a way that it wasn't weird last time there was a televised game at Anfield. I don't know why maybe someone will come out about it but players were slipping all over the place it wasn't just one team that was slipping both of them were and um, they they just didn't adapt their game at all there's no way a team like Liverpool or Arsenal are going to say well look the pitch is a bit shit so we're going to fucking hit the corners they're Mm. not going to do that and so it just exaggerated how bad it looked because the teams were just sticking to their game plan. You know, it was understandably so. I mean, there was a particular bit, I don't think this was necessarily related to the picture, though it might have been when um, Pakaio Saka leans into the back of Simakas who goes yes. over and takes out Jurgen Klopp. And <laughs> I think his talk it he's broken his collarbone. Oh, no. What he should have done is done that on the Arsenal technical area, because of course Mikel Arteta wouldn't have been there, would he? No, he- <laughs> so it would have been fine because he's, he's never home. Yeah, he's he he packages hasn't. left outside the technical area that he picks up later. He's
1: never in, he's literally never no. in. Yeah, he doesn't understand the concept of it,
3: like Mikel, he just sort of Mikel,
1: nods Mikel, along like it, he does, but he just leave it with a neighbor, leave it with a neighbor. Yeah. I've got yeah. an aquarium. I am in
3: there. You're, you're not. I, you're, where are you going?
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, it, was I, a, uh, it was a. It was a. I mean, I, I was, uh, one of those things which, like, it's a funny moment, but if, a, if someone's come off the back of it with a broken mm. collarbone, it's not, it's not funny, Jim. That's no laughing matter.
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
2: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
4: This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp.
1: I'm Martin Keown, and you're listening to Football Ramble. Yeah, maybe just one small bit of football ramble. That'd be all Hi, right. right. I'm Martin Keown, and you're listening to the Football Ramble. I'm Martin Keown.
3: Keown. On the on, on the um, on the, um, the um, issues that people have staying staying upright, um, and that's that's a general issue around the Christmas mm. period for all of us. But I mean, <laughs> not, not as much for professional athletes. One wouldn't have thought, but it it wasn't a, it wasn't an issue. It was an issue earlier, and and at one point, um, Gabriel Jesus. Fell over. Yeah. After under after I don't know if you saw this. And I don't know if it's been picked up, and we were recording straight after the game, so maybe it'll get picked up on social media as well. But I, I saw it uh, at the time. Van Dyke leans into the backers like Jesus, who falls over. Mm. Now I think he might have tried to exaggerate the contact like strikers do, but yeah. because the pitch was crap, it looked weird. And as the ref came over, you saw Virgil van Dyke make a drinking mimic, thing and say, <laughs> "Has he been drinking, ref?" <laughs> Which I just thought was a really strange
1: insult. <laughs> I guess you know maybe it's just to get around the sort of yellow card rule. Like they've got to be creative with sort of suggesting that perhaps a booking is appropriate without actually saying it outwardly.
3: No, he was. I mean, he was. I mean, it's, it's an insult, really. Mm. Is and and, and on, on, on maybe one final thing on the because um, I mean, basically if Van Dyke's the one that wants to complain about anything. He should really be complaining about the fucking ground staff at Anfield. Mm. But there, there was a big slip. From Saka towards the end of the game, in the middle of the pitch, where he completely totaled Ryan Gravenberch, yeah. which could have been nasty. I, I know mm. that the, um, I don't think that some of the Liverpool players, I don't think, realise what had exactly no. happened.
1: I think if you see that in real time, it, it, you'd understandably think it was a really shocking tackle.
3: And that's why it's important because you know, if that happens, these players move at speed. They're strong. Yeah, you know, they're proper athletes. Mm. You know, obviously, and for them to go over like that or slip like that, which which is eventually. Ends up with two feet at speed smashing into someone's shins. Yeah, that's why it's really important. The pitch is good. I don't know what's gonna gonna happen without. I mean, maybe someone will come out and explain what what went on. I I thought it was it was an interesting situation because it was a really high quality game in the first half, mm. but then the second half it deteriorated presumably because the pitch deteriorated. And then like they, it seemed like the team the players wanted to wanted to, um, to to continue this quality of, of play, but they weren't able to. And then it even happened again. I mean, sorry to keep saying it, but it really happened again with the... Um Trent Alexander Arnold chance on the break, which was yeah. a terrifying, probably the most terrifying break I've seen in the Premier League this like season.
1: Mighty duck stuff, wasn't it? It, it was, was just s- mad. I swear there were like more than eleven players in that breakaway. Somehow, I was, I was just like, I was just, I'd rem- said out loud, surely they're going to score here. Surely they are. And it's just five slayers yeah.
3: against. Um, I think I can't remember, but one one Arsenal defender. I mean, yeah. and it bobbled, didn't it? The ball bobbled. If you look mm. at slow motion again, it bobbled up off a weird thing on the pitch. And Alexander Arnold, who's technically sensational, and who was really good actually overall in that game, um, obviously hit the crossbar, and that was a missed opportunity. That could have been it for Liverpool, yeah. really.
1: I think you you're going to get slices of luck across the season, and if you could sort of pick where you're going to get it, Anfield away is absolutely the, probably the you know the main one that you would certainly from an Arsenal's perspective you would you would spend that luck on, um, and that 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 was the sort of defining moment of it really, like. Sort of, I feel like Arsenal got a point out of a game they lost there through um, the, mm. the penalty decision and, and that breakaway. And they had a, you know, they had a couple of forays into Liverpool's box t- towards the end of the half, but there was the, the runners weren't quite making the right runs, and the decision making was a little bit too kind of s- snappy. Maybe there wasn't the loss, certainly lost a bit of fluency. Um, but this is it, isn't it? Quite often, you know, in in, in most games, both of these teams they dominate the ball, um, and that's presents a very, very different set of challenges than than a game where you're gonna to have to scrap for it and fight for it and know that you're not gonna have it for long periods. So it was, it was an interesting um, look into these two teams' modes in, in the big mm. games, really. I mean, do you come away from it as, as a neutral, obviously, which I, I try to be, but, um, you know, can only be to so to, to much of a degree. But what do you think this, this says about both teams in terms of the title race and, and who's kind of, who, who's kind of better equipped to go the distance?
3: Well- it's quite interesting, isn't it? Because if you look at, at this point, you know, you'd say there's three out, you know, outstanding candidates to win the Premier League this season, right? Arsenal, Liverpool, Man City. And you've got a dark horse, if you like, in the shape of Aston Villa. And for me, that's the conversation, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it may prove to not be the case, but that's how I feel at the moment. You know, the big winners from this weekend's football are Manchester City. Because Arsenal yeah. and Liverpool have drawn and dropped points and Aston Villa have drawn as well. So mm-hmm. they've also dropped points because they rescued a point against Sheffield United, didn't they? So Man City had a Probably the big winners, but then of course, they, you know that involves them, you know, being consistent themselves, which they haven't been recently. I just thought it was, you know, two good teams going at it, and you know, it, it, it's the old cliche, but in that type of game, even this early in the season, if you can't win it, you got to ensure you don't lose it. And yep. Both teams were able to do that. Um, I mean, Jürgen Klopp said afterwards, you know thank you, Anfield. My God, that's what we're capable of doing. That's what we can do, you know? Uh, and he said he was very complimentary to Arsenal. He said, yeah, you know, oh my God, how strong are they? The good news is we're good as well. And I think that probably sums it up because Arteta yeah. said something similar before the game. He said, you know, because he's also, as you've mentioned earlier, compared um, compared playing Liverpool and Anfield to being stuck in the washing machine. And he confusingly said after that, what we must do is put on our washing machine that is also very powerful so there's washing machines everywhere there
1: are am I right in thinking as well there are washing machines inside washing machines at this point which it is looks quite like a it. sort of quite a thing to behold i, mean, I quite it, like to does witness that it feel
3: like a washing machine where no player can stay upright first yeah it does like is, there,
1: is there a possibility Luke that um, the pitch was so slippery as Manchester City have put their filthy oil all, all over it <laughs> <laughs> Rub yeah. their oil money all over the pitch. I think,
3: I think it's absolutely possible. I think that's that's definitely almost like a um, like a wacky racist type idea. Yeah, very much. They, so. they, or James Bond squirting out at the back of the car. Um, <laughs> I, I I really liked it when um, when um, Prit Drury asked the uh, speaker of you know if you, if you can you can't win a game, don't lose it. Mm. Peter Drury's excellent. Like he's actually a real yeah, breath great. of fresh air. He comes out with some great stuff. I, I think he's a real asset to, to the Premier League broadcasting team at, at Sky Sports. But he's also clearly like a very clever guy, right? Mm. And Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher, you know, God bless him. You know, I think Carragher's probably slightly cleverer than Gary Neville, but neither of them are particularly clever. And so sometimes Peter Drury will come out with stuff and it's obvious that Neville and Carroll just don't know what he's talking yeah, yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. And it much, happened sorry. brilliantly in this game because towards the end of the game, Peter Drury directly asked both of them. It wasn't even just like a throwaway rhetorical question. He asked them both, Gary, Jamie, at this point, is discretion the better part of valour? And and neither of them said anything. So then he just had to go, um, Uh, would either team take a point at this stage and they both (laughs) both went oh yeah we'll start talking about it it was it was an amazing kind of juxtaposition between like you know the commentator's job and the co-commentator's job Mm. and then um, and then obviously uh, Drury did a really pained last Christmas like the end of the game as well which 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 a Sam Matterface gets hammered for prepping these lines. Yeah. But Peter Drury obviously does them as well, but people like it. Why do you think that is? Um, I think there's a
1: sense of Peter Drury now. He's in that sweet spot, the sort of Goldilocks zone that a lot of commentators get into, which Clive Tilsley sort of managed has managed to get himself into a little bit as well, where they've been around for long enough that they've become sort of like a sort of beloved institution, but they've not outstayed their welcome to the point where perhaps John Motson did and Martin Tyler right, did. So
3: Matterface is just a bit of an upstart. doing. Yeah, thing, I
1: think Matterface will probably, uh, he might well get to that stage, but it might not, it, you know, it might take 30 years. This is it, isn't it? You expect that sort of thing from Peter Drury. Imagine having a Christmas dinner at Peter Drury's house. You a, the chat around the, the, the dinner table would be brilliant. You'd be having a lovely time. Be quoting all types of things. It'd be great. Oh. Um, Imagine if it
3: was just you and him though.
1: Um, yeah, it would be kind of strange. A lot would have to happen between now and, and Monday uh, for that what to be the case. What about
3: if you can have the Arsenal win the Premier League this season, but for the whole of next season you've got to live with Peter Drury? I'd take that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think my my girlfriend might be a little confused as but to say, who was enforcing this. How bad, are your, current, how bad this? are your current living arrangements? You were very, very quick to jump on that. Well, you know, I'm desperate for a league title, as you all know. <laughs> so this is what you're going to say to your girlfriend, is it? Yeah. This is the press. So you probably listen to this and go, you didn't even hesitate. Yeah. Which I'm now realising I haven't done. It's how much I want it, need it, even, yeah. dare I say.
3: All right, before we wrap up, I've got one or two questions I wanted to ask you when mm. I knew we were going to be doing this. One is, um, and actually Gary Neville made this point as well, speaking of Gary Neville, he said... Um, yeah, and it's come up a bit in recent seasons really. Um the point about Arsenal perhaps needing a stronger fo- stronger focal point up front. And and what I mean by that is that in sorry, um is I turned him French, didn't I? In He, did. Um, he he's he's um he's the jury's still out on him. I, I think he's decent, but you know, yeah, the, the jury's he's not you know, people aren't yeah. gonna be confident about winning the Premier League title with him leading the line for them every 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 game. And Gabriel Jesus likes to wander, doesn't he? He's like a bit of an Alan Wicker. He likes yeah. to get all over the place.
1: He's a funny one as well, in that he, if a cha- if a chance is really difficult, he he seems more likely to score it than he does if it's simple. It's weird.
3: And, and what? And so, so the general, the, the direct question then is: Is it is it much more beneficial for Arsenal to have a like a strong focal point out front?
1: I think that needs to be the next piece of this particular puzzle. Yeah, um, I mean, it's it's important to remember how much Gabriel Jesus um, has raised the technical level in the in the front line, and, and how um, he's a big part of that fluency. But you, I think, you know, inevitably, you do need someone who's going to get you twenty league goals, maybe, and and he's just not going to do that. Um, so mm-hmm. I think he likes to play on the wings and he's very effective on the wings. Um, but Kiyosaka is, is really, really overloaded every season, seems to be the case. Um, Jesus, um, I think there's absolutely a place for him, even if a striker comes in, who's an upgrade on enquetier with a, all all respect to Edouard um, But
3: <laughs> big, yeah, A, a big that... um, graduate of the Clairefontaine Academy. In,
1: indeed, course. absolutely indeed. So yeah, I think... Um, if Arsenal can afford it, this is the this is the big thing coming into the next window. There's a lot of talk of Ivan Tony, obviously, and um, you know, people sort of daydreaming about Victor Osseman, which I think is a bit daft personally. But just um, saw a new contract today. In, well, indeed, 130 yeah.
3: million euro release clause. Would well, that yeah. put Arsenal off? Possibly I, not. I
1: would assume so. This is the thing as well. They sign him for a lot of money, Osseman, and people forget that. So it's they, gonna take an absolute fortune to get him out there. Um so yeah, I, I think absolutely it is something that certainly needs to be addressed. It's whether or not the budget is there because there are you know, possibly midfield enforcements needed as well with Thomas Party's unavailability.
3: Try and get some money off Man City, borrow some. Mm. Um, there will definitely be a role for Jesus if they get a... Sure. Because Jesus can play off the left and the right as well. Absolutely. But like he's played, I'm pretty sure, I mean, I might be going, going crackers in my old age, but I'm pretty sure I've seen him play off the left and off the right. So... Mm. Um, He's um he's definitely got a role there. I mean, speaking of focal points up front, uh, Michael Owen you've had a bit of a weird couple of weeks. Just talking about throwing things and yeah, how brave he is, and it all all sounded a bit like um a bit like um you know those those adverts you get where it's like this is what this charity does, so give us some money. Like, it was a bit like that, but just Michael Owen talking about throwing things and how yeah. brave he is. And if, if, can you please just support his bravery by donating to eight hundred one two four <laughs> or something? It was very strange.
1: Yeah, he's an he's an odd little fellow, isn't he? As we know, he, he like, he's convinced he's sort of this really cheeky, charming little impish guy. Yeah, uh, but actually, he's just a massive, massive weirdo in a way that's really <laughs> difficult to put your finger on. The, the thing you were talking about, the other thing was at the um whichever red carpet he was on, or whatever it was. Not really a red carpet, is it? Not really a red carpet kind of guy, because obviously he hates films. But he was talking about throwing a dart. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I'm saying. the person who, who got hit with it, he sort of blamed them for that. Like, yeah, they we were an absolute about it idiot. yesterday. Yeah.
3: But, but I mean, you, it's great, because all I've got to say is the words Michael Owen and you go off on one, which is yeah, what I wanted. I'm... But all I was actually going to add is that it's just come out now. Um, Robbie Fowler's been di- sticking the boot into Mickey. Robbie Fowler. As well. Um, he's, I don't know. I don't really know. It's, it's something that came out that was reported by the by the Mirror. Um, Robbie Fowler's obviously asked about this. And he said um, he was better than Michael Owen in every aspect of being a striker. Which just feels <laughs> like another front that Mickey doesn't need opened up.
1: Absolutely. It's harsh on, on Mickey. Because obviously Robbie Fowler was a really... Um, you know, if, if natural finishes are a thing, then Robbie Fowler was one of them. He, he had so much in his locker. But, I mean, so did Owen. He really could really sniff out a goal in a lot of different situations. It's, it's not what he needs, is it? It's no. a strange one. It might be the case that you see this with a lot of professional footballers, um, that they kind of, the, the longer they're retired, they be, the better they were in their mind. Uh, I think that's everyone, days. isn't it? Yeah, that's I think so. Because obviously Fowler was brilliant, and that, that suggests that he's kind of... Um, Deluded to talk about himself being great, but obviously he was. But it's it's an odd um, it's an odd time to to bring that up, isn't it? Because Michael Owen's got no real right of reply.
3: It was apparently on Simon Jordan's podcast, which is where the original Michael Owen quote came from. Mm. So it's Simon it's Jordan's. doing the Lord's rise. work. This is massive for us. Jordan playing a huge role in this. And as someone who knows Simon Jordan fairly well and has worked with him in the, in the past, he will be delighted to be the centre of attention, of course. Um, <laughs> look, I think that's pretty much it from us. Um, I mean, it's, it's a really tricky um, thing to say uh, because it was a draw and, you know, kind of where we were beforehand and we were hoping mm. for like a big statement. We didn't get one. Um, but I will ask you anyway, where, You know, what's what's your kind of summary? Where do you feel that Arsenal are? What, and Liverpool are, what what do you think this means for for, for the rest of the uh, season, if anything?
1: Mm, I I would reiterate what I said at the start um, of the podcast, which is that I think this is a better point than the one last season um, because Liverpool are... are, I'll start with Liverpool. They are um, leaps and bounds ahead of where they were last season, really. It's it's kind of mad to look at this team and think it's a team that's not in the Champions League because um, they've... I think they're they're clicking really, really well. That really sort of... New midfield is calibrated very quickly. They look so dangerous obviously they didn't quite take their chances tonight but you feel like um, they might just had a little bit of an off day in front of goal and got a bit unlucky with a penalty call Um, so I I expect them to essentially challenge for the majority of the season it's hard to sort of pick much between the the two teams really it was a very much a case of I think quality sort of cancelling out quality really Um, because the defensive sides of both teams, teams are so strong as well I think with Arsenal they're harder to Beat maybe this season. It's kind of much of a muchness, really. They look a bit more um, emotionally in control. Um, they are managing games pretty well, um, and they just look tough to beat. One of the big problems that Arteta had to fix was to, you know, get rid of that soft centre, stop them from doing banter club things and conceding stupid goals and looking <laughs> like slightly farcical. And he's he's managing to do that. But yeah, I'm I'm you know quietly um, quietly very comfortable with Arsenal at the moment which is something I don't often feel. Mm.
3: And Mikel Arteta said in the post match interview I was just reading it now that um it was the the most intense game of he's witnessed in 20 years. Wow. Uh so I mean that's that tells its own story I suppose. And, and you're right about Arsenal being tougher to beat I think, you know, if you think of the two games they've lost this season Aston Villa, you know, look they're unlucky to not yeah. to not get anything out of Still played game. well. They had a lot of chances, played well. The other game was Newcastle won it away from home where they had mm. more of the ball, more shots, you know, I mean it was. I can't remember the exact detail of the game, but the was,
1: exact detail was that they were robbed by corrupt clowns. Actually, I think. oh, that's right. Yeah. It
3: was the mad. It, it was the mad VAR yeah, thing, it wasn't was, it? Which it was, I was um... actually very, very um, <laughs> content with at the time. Um, but you know, let's not relitigate that yeah. um, um, because we've got our VAR thing in this game to talk exactly, about instead, exactly, which yeah. we're also ignoring. So, um, <laughs> I think that's about it from us. Um, I've got the absolute pleasure of saying to all of our listeners, this is the final show we're doing, of course, before Christmas. Mm-hmm. So. Um, Merry Christmas to you all, I suppose. Thank you very much for your support throughout twenty twenty three, and uh, we will be back on Boxing Day with part one of our best of the football ramble uh, from 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 twenty twenty three, which of course will be a very racial episode, but I mean listen to it anyway. Um, is full of some great <laughs> moments like Spurs head loss against Newcastle Man United's head loss against Liverpool Andy Brassel's head loss against me and Jackson Soccerpedia when I got Portland Timbers and Portland Timberwolves mixed up that's possibly the most angry I've seen him mm. um, and there's a lot of candidates for that so that's coming out on Boxing Day in the meantime find us on Twitter, which is now known as X, and there's some great stuff on there. Mm -hmm. So do check out X. Uh, TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube at Football Ramble. And remember to subscribe on your podcast app. If you've got a few extra shekels around this time of year, we'd very much appreciate it if you would send those our way and subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Football Ramble. Some absolutely fantastic stuff on the Discord. I'm on there all the time, but don't let that put you off Um, and I think that's pretty much it we're the best place to keep up with the Christmas football always remember that Um, it's goodbye from Jim Campbell it certainly is have a brilliant Christmas everyone and it's goodbye from me as well see you soon
4: the football ramble is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network